another episode of Acts of the Blood God and Independent RPG Podcast. I am your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. We just had uh, an extended uh, pre-show to get things rolling because we were having some technical difficulties. So this is what you're missing for $25 a month. Hey, I mean, you got a look at me just excoriating Eric Van Allen, who is also here, over his extremely bad decision to put Angelo in the F tier. How dare he? Look, that dog's expendable and we all know it. That they, it's <laughs> oh, it's no. canonically expendable. It's a Yoshi. It's a Yoshi. It's so. a dog cannon, Eric. Yeah, the why dog, are you shooting why are you shooting? The dog, the dog is at what people? you need to kill Omega Weapon. I don't know. It sounds, it sounds like they don't sounds like they don't care about that dog, is all I'm saying. If the game doesn't care about the dog, then I don't either. Oh no. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm just starting beef. Indiscriminate beef, beef starting move today. Um, uh, a much cooler and more awesome lady who does not start beef is Reb Valentine. Welcome back to the show. But you know what I do start, Kat? Technical difficulties all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Every time I'm here. Hey, we made it. That's all that matters. Yes. We have Reb on this week. We're going to try something new. So maybe this is something that we can do each year. I'm not sure. But one of the questions I often get is, can you recommend me an RPG? And there are a lot of different RPGs. There's a lot of flavors of RPGs out there. So I'm gonna, we're going to do a little guide here. Like We're going to make individual recommendations for every type of RPG we can think of. Not just tactics RPG or action RPG, but I don't know. Very long RPGs, Eurojank RPGs, mm. um, and such and such. So <laughs> we will be getting to that in just a moment. But before we do, uh, if you enjoy the show, thank you very much. Please leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore Capon. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford and Eric is at Simosi, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. And Reb is at Duck Valentine. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where you will get tons of bonus content, including this week is another entry in our series, Winter of Wick, our exploration of the John Wick series ahead of the release of John Wick 4. And we are in the middle of our monthly game club for Lunar the Silver Star Story, which I have been valiantly trying to get into my Steam Deck all morning. I'm almost there. Just need to uh, get those those PlayStation 1 um, uh, thingies, uh, BIOS installed on my Steam Deck. And Gotta get the thingies, Kat. Gotta get the thingies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got the thingies. That's how the tech thingies. works. <laughs> hey, Nadia, there was a Charlene Dropouts. Tell me all about it. It sure was a Charlene Dropouts. It was me, uh, Vic, and Mike, and we just kind of talked about the new patch, 6.3, and what was on it, what we experienced, what we liked. Uh, talked about the leaf men uh, who would turn to a human with a bush for a head. That was pretty fun. Also talked a little bit about like what the next uh, race for a tank class should be. So that was just um, kind of going back and forth. Uh, we were talking in general about like what the next job should be, period. Uh, Mike is really holding out for Geomancer. Um, mm. we'll see what happens. I have no real dog in the race. I have my dragoon. What more do I need? But yeah, it was a fun episode as it always is. Uh, please go ahead and take a listen. We actually have a free episode for Valentine's day that went up and you can find that on, uh, the Patreon. You can also find it on Libsyn and all the cool podcast stuff. Sorry, not Libsyn, uh, Apple, Spotify, and I 
probably lives in two. I don't know. Truly. Um, speaking of which, Victor is saying that we manifested Golden Sun on the Switch. Is it out now? Did this happen? No, it's, oh, it's, no, it's, not it's not just going yet, to happen. It was, it was yeah. officially shown. So, Oh, wow. it's part of the next release of uh, titles uh, for the GBA? Yeah, yeah, Switch Online. Gotcha, gotcha. Hey, I'm so happy for y'all. It's great. Yeah, so am I. And nothing I'm like a, a, a childhood RPG. Yeah, it's, Coming back I, to you. I'll probably at some point play. Like right now, the the only way I can play through it if I want to. I, look, I don't go back and replay a lot of games. But uh, mm-hmm. in terms of the games that I do go back and replay, uh, Pokemon Crystal, Golden Sun, uh, end of list. So uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would replay Golden Sun. Uh, and the fact that it is available somewhere that is not technically less than super entirely legal uh is great is is fantastic rev you'd be very proud of me i defended golden sun on retronauts the other day i am proud of you i I really i really enjoyed that podcast uh even though golden sun ultimately lost just because i feel like i was able Mm. to 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 nudge you a little bit more in the direction of being a golden sun lover uh can't wait for baton kaitos (laughs) Mm. parish Mm -hmm. and bob Mackie were trashing Golden Sun on this podcast that we were doing. I don't I don't think it's up Bob yet. It's Mackie. a Patreon only. And I was like, look, Golden Sun is great because it's a great entry point into RPGs if you've never played them before. And it is still gorgeous, especially on the analog pocket. And yeah, the story is a little whatever, but by and large, it is a very strong RPG. It only gets stronger with Golden Sun uh, 2. Yep. So, uh, and we'll be able to see that for ourselves on the Nintendo Switch. So, consider that a little preview for our guides. Do you want an accessible RPG, an RPG for people who haven't really played RPGs? Well, Golden Sun is a great yeah. place to start, especially if you're right. young, especially if you're very young. It's a small child. Okay. Some might even say the GBA in general has many accessible RPGs, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Yes, we will. Okay, it's time to talk about what we've been playing, our sacrifice to the blood god and uh reb you're a special guest so what have you been playing i just finished chained echoes which i'm pretty sure you've talked about wow. before yeah. uh because i know i know eric's a big chained echoes stan mm-hmm. uh that game absolutely consumed me i was not expecting to love it as much as i did uh i think the thing that i ended up i there, there's a little bit about the ending that i wasn't completely high on uh i don't, I don't want to spoil it for people i think there was a There was a thematic thing that Chained Echoes seemed to be broadly condemning uh, regarding war throughout most of the game. And then at the very end, suddenly it was like, oh, wait, actually, this thing is fine as long as good guys do it and not actually war is cool. Actually, (laughs) actually, nuclear weapons are fine as long as the good people are using them and not the bad ones. I know. I don't think it should go there either. That's that sounds like a bad idea. I, I know kinda, what you're talking about. That's kind of yeah. where it landed. Yeah. And I, d- I didn't love that yeah. thematically. Uh, but other than that, I, th- I think it was less of it trying to make any particular statement and more of just like a thematic dissonance and them kind of like not not finishing on a super high note. Uh, but, mm. but, 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 but extremely good game, broadly across the board. Uh, really liked 
the fact that it was very reverential towards so many classic RPGs, a lot of battles and a lot of like individual moments that are like, oh, hey, we're playing off of this battle that you remember very well. Or, oh, this moment is very much like this other thing. But I think the trap that a lot of uh, modern indie RPG attempts kind of fall into is being refer- reverential to the point of like like deference and, and trying too hard to copy mm. or too hard to be these greats uh, from the ye olden days of RPGs. And I think what Chained Echoes did very well is it, it it was very confident in being its own thing. It just, it was just completely fine. And in these ways in which it, it was, it was unique, like that, that overdrive bar um, and so, especially that honestly, and uh, sort of the ways in which the abilities interacted with each other and where you were encouraged to flip your parties around constantly and swap people in and out um, and the way the skill trees worked. And I think it like ultimately worked very well for me. And I hope that they, I hope they do a sequel. Dang. Yeah, I I knew that Chained Echoes had left a massive impression on me when I started playing the Sea of Stars demo and I was like going to other RPGs and suddenly going, oh, what do you mean? I don't get my HP refilled between battles anymore. Chained Echoes did that and it was great. And and I was just I, I keep thinking about Chained Echoes now while I play other RPGs and I do. I, I'm bummed it arrived when it did, but I am genuinely like of the opinion now that Chained Echoes is a game that should be talked about mm. beyond just its launch window, that it is a genuinely good RPG that I I honestly think I'll be talking about at the end of the year as well. Not to tip some cards early, but so Ch- Chained Echoes, uh, that's an interesting thing is you mentioned the it is inherently a good thing that it refills your life and your MP and such. A lot of RPGs uh, kind of turn dungeons into a, a battle of attrition. Yeah, mm-hmm. where you're using um, uh, potions and and mm-hmm. whatnot to keep your characters healthy. And I'm just wondering, like, is it inherently a good thing that it is healing your characters up? It's more convenient, but it changes the complexion complexion and the tenor of the actual encounter system. I think. I think it's yes. good because the game is designed around it, right? That's like what I was the, say. The, yes. the sheer the number of healing items you get, the way healing spells interact within battle, uh, the um, the sheer amount of damage that you're receiving at a given time, like like everything is in that game is balanced around heal. Like if you didn't heal mm-hmm. after each encounter, that game would not function. It would not work. No, it'd be I very other, very tedious at best. Other RPGs balance their systems around having to heal yourself between battles if you need to because they they want to have this attrition. But Chain Echoes uh, got rid of that and then also designed its encounters to make sense with that. Uh, but that is that is admittedly a problem I'm having as well, Eric, because I I got early code for Octopath Traveler too, and I've started it, and I I'm just having so much trouble adjusting to the fact that oh I don't just heal after every encounter. I need to mm-hmm. conserve these mm-hmm. healing items. I need to you know or I need to take advantage of level up level ups because you heal automatically to pull when you level up and so like taking advantage of trying to level up before like a big encounter or something and so it, it's breaking my brain a little bit and it's not any fault of octopath traveler too it's just because i came off of chain echoes a minute ago i do like go back our, our episode that we did that was just me and austin talking about chain echoes for ages was i i was really happy with how it came out um we we went over a lot of it but like so many aspects of that game I just keep going back to the reward board is such a cool oh, it's good. way to like, you know, take that Final Fantasy 12 Gambit board and turn it into this own progression system that uh, rewards you for progressing through the world. 
uh, all the side quest stuff is so good. The the overdrive, the the overheat stuff is so mm-hmm. interesting and ends up becoming so nuanced. And you really feel like you are tooling with this meter that feels rewarding. I just yeah, Chain Echoes is a, really something else. It's it's really quite good. Yeah, big big Chained Echoes fans here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Acts, Acts of the Blood God. Uh, I I enjoyed it. I bounced off it. Slightly, not for the fault of the game itself, but because I just had other things to play. And yeah, same moment. to be honest. I'll, uh, I I plan to return to it. I yeah, I will too. Really love the graphics. I love the music. Uh, the flow of the battles work really well. Um, I think the systems interact really well together. Relatively simple and easy to understand, but fairly complex. And so many RPGs that try to do this get the systems wrong i think mm. so yeah uh, yeah no chain decos is an outstanding rpg something and... about the writing feels slightly off i don't know if it's mm. the translator they used but uh i mean it's a brilliant from what i've played i i got distracted i think by fire emblem which i'll get into but i still want to go back to it for sure but something about the like i'm i i love cheesy writing in jrpgs is what i live for and even like i overlook mistakes and stuff like that because uh for for Christ's sake, I grew up on, on SNES RPGs, NES RPGs, but something about the tone of the dialogue doesn't doesn't click with me. And I know that's probably just like I think the the guy who wrote it and did the whole practically the whole game is a native German speaker, so maybe it's the translation, maybe it's the localization. But I'll get over it, and once I just kind of get back into the game, I'll just you know, I'll yeah. deal. I think you're right. I I think it's uneven is how I would yes. describe it. I think yeah. that okay, yeah. most of the humor lands pretty well for me. Like a lot of the jokes are very good. Uh, the more serious moments, I think some of them I think are written fine. And some of them, yeah, it's, it's very corny or weird. Or someone will say something very dramatic and then the next person will say, Oh yes, okay, and it'll just be like something very, very like <laughs> gotcha. flat and like not, not saving you. Yes. So yeah, it's yeah. but it's it's not. You're right. Like it's not something that ruins the game. It's just no, like, no, oh, huh, not. that's a little funky. It still does really nail the tone, though. I remember really early on when I was playing it, and I know I've mentioned the the Chrono Trigger fake out that they do, but there's also a part later on where you are playing as the princess and the archer guy and the archer guy does that like final fantasy tactics type thing where he's like you lowly peasants you don't deserve to be here not like us well-born people and i was like oh this game's gonna go there huh okay all right and and i think again it does lift even narrative elements from many popular like well-remembered well-loved rpgs but it does them with just like like you said rep a confidence that yeah. it it's like i'm going to take out the parts that i like and make them my own and the the way it does that is is just really something to watch the end of act 1 in chain echoes is so good it yeah, is such fantastic. a big swing it's so excellent I, I respect the execution of chain echoes i i wonder <clears throat> can indie rpgs stop being overt tributes to the classics and 16-bit RPGs and have a little more of their own vision. Chained Echoes has some of its own vision, but it cribs so hard from Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI and Xenogears and various JRPGs that you know, and it contributes to the feeling of JRPGs in particular looking back rather than looking forward. That's my only maybe criticism of Chained Echoes. The way I see it is it's like... um... 
some of my favorite media cowboy bebop great example uh does this too lifts a lot of stuff that first episode of cowboy bebop is a reference to that one antonio banderas movie mm-hmm. um uh i can't remember the name of it right now but uh they're all movie tributes yeah they're they're all movie tributes but i think there's a difference between paying homage and just desperado thank you for where the slimes desperado um there's a difference between paying homage and understanding where your roots come from same with avatar the last airbender does that very well uh versus just lifting things because they're popular and i think chained echoes falls in the former and not the latter I agree. I also think, Kat, especially if you've only played the early bits, uh, the the first act of the game has the vast majority of the overt references like, oh, remember this thing? Uh, and then the further you get, the again, the more con- like it's already quite confident, I think, in the beginning, but the more confident it becomes in I just agree. sailing forward. I, I will say the point where it does a, a pirate island-ass Skies of Arcadia moment yeah. made me really happy. Uh, but that was kind of like the last big, oh, it's referencing this moment, aside from the moment when you get the max. I do love the wake up, Chrono. Wake up, run or attack. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, I wouldn't call it like, over, like, like total subversion, but it's it's definitely a, oh, remember this? Well, you're wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Just a little twist. It'll uh, make things a little fun. Yeah. Uh, moving on to a slightly more RPG adjacent game uh, like a dragon ishin yeah um, is out uh, this coming week on february 21st and eric you've been playing it yeah this is one of the games i've been sitting here saying i can't wait to talk about it so like a dragon ishin is uh how did i describe it in my review over on destructo.com uh <laughs> it was uh it's like the muppet christmas carol what <laughs> where uh, so let me yeah. explain let me no, explain uh, there's a reason why I use this comparison. Number one, uh, it is historical fiction. So set at the end of the Edo period, uh, following uh, Ryota Sakamoto, who is trying to infiltrate the Shinsengumi, uh, part of the shogunate, uh, trying to find his father's, his adoptive father's assassin. Uh, it's very... Uh, loose it plays fast and loose with history uh but all of the characters are characters from the yakuza slash like a dragon series so yeah because they're kind of in a play i think that's what they were describing it that, as that's yeah there there's a thing that community happens theater <laughs> at the end of the game that yes. really emphasizes the they're doing this for dramatic effect a character looks very different for only one scene and i was talking with michael hyam about why did they do this this makes no sense it's so weird but uh so yeah much like kermit the frog plays uh bob cratchit in a muppet christmas carol uh, Kazuma Kiryu plays Sakamoto Ryoma in Like a Dragon Ishin. I will say, like, right off the bat, you don't need to be familiar with these characters to enjoy the story of this game. I think the story of this game stands on its own merits. But also, there is something really fun about what they do with having these characters fulfill double roles as both their yakuza archetypes and their characters within the fiction of ishin that is really cool to see and why i draw the muppets comparison because much like the muppet christmas carol balances uh having kermit the frog do bob cratchit things for the story and do kermit the frog things cosmic uh does cosmic things and also does 
Ryoma stuff and it works very well. I think it's a really good balance. I think the story's great. It's also a Yakuza brawler, so it's not the like a dragon style. I had actually a friend message me the other day and was like, oh, is this a new RPG? And it's not. It is not that. Um, yeah. It is a classically styled, whatever you want to call it, action uh, fighter game. Uh, probably closer to like Yakuza 5, Yakuza 0, like that era of development. But I think it's really good. I had a really good time playing it. Um, bit technically choppy, which surprised me. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're saying that they're working on it. And I have seen a few like major stuff get fixed as I was playing through it for review. But there's still other parts of it that are just weirdly choppy and not in a way that I would have expected for this remake which is built in unreal i believe um yeah. it's and a new engine for them isn't it that's what yeah saying. it's it's not the dragon engine it's the they're they're working in unreal now so that might be part of it but uh i will say that it looks gorgeous at certain points like the cutscenes especially look absolutely fantastic in this game uh i was pulling up the old ps3 version which originally this game came out in 2014 in japan and only ever came out in japan and we're finally getting it here in the west for the first time so that's why a lot of people are very excited about it uh but yeah i i think if you want a yakuza story and especially one that you can jump into without having to know the history of yakuza this is a good way to do it. You will get the things you want out of a Yakuza game, the wacky sub stories, like there's a farming life sub game yeah. and you, you can chop wood. And at one point I gave uh, a madam a cucumber because that was the bit. And, and it was just cosmic Kiryu with the most blank expression on his face. Like I brought you the cucumber. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, like the writing is still really snappy and uh, even plays around with the historical fiction setting in a really fun way. Uh, I just also think that if you're not in the mood for a Yakuza brawler, this might fall a little flat for you because it is, it is one of those it's a Yakuza game, like in the most classic sense. I know they are moving like the name in the series to like a dragon, moving forward and so this is called like a dragon Ishin. but when i say it's a yakuza game i mean it is made from that era where they were still the yakuza series they were brawlers they had uh food stuff that you could go do it was that that shenmue meets like social sim type thing it is very much that game and i think it's enjoyable i think it's tedious at times uh it has you run back and forth between certain places too much and i think to try and encourage you to run into sub stories but uh there's there's a bit of tedium in there but i had a good time it's i it, it's hard to like i feel like there are yakuza's that are great there are yakuza's that are the upper crust of the yakuza experience mm. but i don't think i've had any terribly bad yakuza experiences like i feel no. like there is a good seal a good floor for like how good a yakuza game can be so uh this definitely maybe isn't like the heights of Yakuza zero or Yakuza like a dragon, but it's definitely a solid entry and I would put it over some of the middle run Yakuza's for sure. So what you're was... saying is Kermit the frog should be Kiryu in the next installment. I, I was, I was, that's the what more, I got on the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I was too. trying to explain to a friend. I came up with the Muppet Christmas Carol thing. And then as you can read in my review, it's also got the same balance of like heartfelt sentimentality and complete, like comedy and the more i thought about it the more i was like 
I would play a Yakuza game that had the Muppets in it. Mm. Like, oh, those things meld really well in a way I did not. So he's the human. So the human is definitely Kiryu, but then Majima is like animal or something. Or no, who's Majima? Yeah, I mean, I think the reason why Muppet Christmas Carol works is because the guy playing uh, Scrooge is a human. Is Michael Caine, yeah. And so you need a human being kind of at the center of uh, it. And then Fozzie. To react Fozzie to Fozzie is uh, Majima because I want him to, like, pop out of a... I want him to pop out of, like, a sewer grate or whatever and be like, Kermit! <laughs> Kermit, Sean! <laughs> waka, Kermit waka, Chan. waka! <laughs> oh, uh, my God, that rules. The guy who throws the boomerang fish has to be a boss. Uh, the Swedish chef has to be like the the dude that you get food from. So you walk up to the food no, stall the and he's like, the rival Yakuza. Are you kidding me? He wouldn't be any like chef. He'd be uh, like. Sam the Eagle is your mentor that dies at the beginning of the game. And okay. he has like, and, a super dramatic uh, death scene. The band, the animal bands playing the cabaret. Yes, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And you sing uh Bakamitai to the animal band. <laughs> Bakamitai with um oh what's the name of the Muppet band? Um the electric something. The electric mayhem. Uh Bakamitai with the electric mayhem would be absolutely fantastic. That would be great. I I I think that the Muppet Christmas Carol uh comparison is apt from what I was I has been playing it. I've been watching a little bit. And I think I think the moment it clicked for me what this game was was when I watched uh Ryoma interacting in a side quest where someone was doing something like ridiculous as as he does. And he, he had the equivalent of the same line he has in basically every Yakuza game, which is like, well, I don't understand it and it seems really weird, but good for you. I'm happy for you. It's like, that's basically his reaction to anybody doing anything that's like slightly uh-huh. outlandish, uh-huh. Uh, which is like, you know, the, this very like, like accepting if confused uh, person. Uh, and it's just the same guy, same guy. It is basically Superintendent Chalmers saying, you know, may I see the Aurora Borealis because he has accepted he is in a universe where this could possibly happen. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. In, in the, uh, I was just going to say in the chat, someone's saying Miss Piggy should be the owner of Kiryu's favorite bar. And I agree that 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 Yakuza Kiwami of Kiryu going into the bar and like hanging out at the bar, Miss Piggy being there and be like, Kermi-chan. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah. No, there's some, there's something there about her playing like the damsel in distress role. And then, you know, obviously she's not remotely and then beats that. Them so all she up. Yeah, kicks the crap out of, the, <laughs> yeah. of these thugs. And then, you know, Kermit shows up to save her and she's like, no, I took care of it. Baby John. This is such That's a good terrible. idea. This is mm. this is great. Genuinely. How do I pitch this to RGG? How do we get in touch with them? <laughs> I mean, I think that if the Muppets were in this, I'd be much more likely to play like a Dragon Ishin. The thing that I think is interesting is I talked to Masayoshi Yokoyama about this game uh, a little while ago, back when I was at TGS. And I think he said this was his favorite one, actually. Um, yeah. And he, I mean, the re- the reason it didn't come out originally is that it's very geared toward Japanese audiences. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. So Sega yes. didn't really think that, you know, a, a, a Japanese samurai ep- epic that was heavily steeped in Japanese history was going to really resonate with american audiences but they underestimate how much americans like samurai swords so. they underestimate yeah. how much americans are weebs and how much we go to like as you said they go to flea markets and buy crappy ass swords like this is from an ancient samurai wow and it's now it's the back of your truck hey eh? i believe you 
<laughs> yeah, but this is like a real thing that I've heard kind of across the board just talking to game developers over the last like four or five years is that like, like not just Sega, there's a bunch of Japanese companies that have sort of held off on releasing certain kinds of things in the West or like when, when releasing things in the West, like changed references to be more Western and yeah. they're coming to this yeah. realization that no, you're like what Nadia said, actually Americans are a bunch of weebs uh, and we love that crap. Like we will eat it up and you can totally sell it over here if you just, you know, make sure you, you kind of nudge us in and let us know what it is. I, I think like one of the strengths of Ishin is that it is deeply rooted in, in Japanese history, Japanese culture and things that would be difficult to localize, but because they end up being localized in a way that is still obviously referential to those moments in history, there's entire like multiple sub stories that involve uh, this dance craze called Ija Naika, I think. Um, <laughs> I've seen those scenes. Where, and this was a real thing. This was a real thing that happened in history where people like would just bust out into dance in the middle of the street and no one was really sure what was going on and there have been like documentaries and stuff made about it and uh, it's it's like a really unique thing and I, th- I do think it would be easy for someone who's in a money-making position to be like, oh, well, Americans won't understand that but for me at least with games like this, I want to play a Yakuza or like a dragon because I want to be immersed in the but culture. But the dancing I want sickness to... was like all over the world. It was Europe as well. It was really heavy in Europe. Oh, no, this is different. It's, it was a, I, I can post a link to it in the chat, but it, so a it was a basically different kind of it. Like interesting. Yeah. Um, it, it was, huh. it was a weird social movement. Maybe it's, it's weird, but, um, age and Ica, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's age and Ica, age and Ica. Sorry. Uh, when I was living in Japan that I, um, sometimes I would watch Japanese daytime television and often mm-hmm. they would have Japanese samurai epics from the 1970s. And I had no idea what anybody was talking about, but I enjoyed having it just on the television because they were usually good fight scenes. And like a dragon Ishin reminds me a little bit of that. It seems to kind of draw from those sunny Chiba kind of, um, uh old school television shows and so <clears throat> i'm wondering if they were thinking well obviously this is a cultural reference point for japanese people that's why americans would probably be less interested in it but turns out maybe not though i don't expect it to sell that well ultimately um i do also want to say that like uh, it is worth pointing out that this is like especially at the end of the game pretty i wouldn't say propaganda e, but it is very much like everything was going great and we're going to persevere and and go strong into the future here in Japan. And if you know the context of history around that time, it's a oh weird sentiment mm. kind of, kind of like if you had something happening around pre civil war South and you're like, mm. the South will persevere. It's like, Oh, there's some weird stuff happening here. You're leaving some major context mm. out. And they do, they do delve into some like things that happen in history around that time. But it is also like a historical fiction and historical fiction as a genre classically glosses over some of the muddier or rougher parts. Um, yeah. If you want to read more, there was some good coverage of that both in uh, the Polygon review and the GameSpot review that talk a little bit about that. But that is a factor as well. Well, Nadia, there was another game that came out uh, this past week and we talked a little bit about it on the podcast. You've been playing Theater Rhythm Final Fantasy Yes. Which has uh, been generally well received. Um, turns out it has, uh, I believe, music from uh, I want to say Final Fantasy VII remake in there as well. Uh, lots of good stuff. 
Yeah, it's uh, actually a really full package, even at the basic level. And of course, like Square will still milk you to death with the add-ons. And to be honest oh, with yeah. you, I am probably going to get the add-on because there are so many. It's like I'm playing the Final Fantasy fourteen, and of course, I'm going through every song and loving it, especially towards the end when they get you to like the rage with the lyrics and stuff like that. It's just like incredible. But then it's like, I want more Final Fantasy fourteen. Hey, look over here. We have a few songs over in this DLC package that you can't download individually. You got to like pay up for them all or, or go to hell. So I'm going <laughs> to pay up for them all, I suppose, because I'm a sucker that way. But it's a really, really fun game. Uh, if you've been following my Twitter, you can see I've been posting a lot of like, you know, clips and stuff like that of me playing it. Um, lots to do. The RPG elements are very interesting because at first you think, oh, these are very secondary. They're just to watch little dudes do their thing as they fight at the bottom. That's that's cool. But then you realize to beat certain challenges, and that's where the meat of the game is for theater than Final Fantasy, is to beat these challenges, get the best score possible, and unlock really cool stuff, like more song stages and stuff like that. So you have to really kind of beef up your party and pay attention to what you're doing in order to kind of beat those challenges and also to build up your character. And part of that also involves getting better at the song so that your party will do more damage. So you can do like ultimate, you can do expert, you can do all those uh, uh, levels that will probably kill you in the end. But yeah, having a great time with it, probably going to waste way too much time with it, even though it's just like, I guess if I was smart, I'd just go on YouTube and like just listen to the songs there, but then you don't get to hit circles in time to the music. So it's not as much fun. So I'm having a great time with that. Also playing Fire Emblem Engage. And speaking of Engage, I think I'm towards the end and they're like, okay. How far uh, are you? Which chapter? Uh, I don't remember the chapter number. It's past 20, but oh, wow. I. Yeah, you're near the end. That's, yeah. that's near the end, yeah. I also did the map. I love this game in that it's like, oh, you want to get married? Well, tell you what, if you want the wedding ring, we're going to give you like a real bitch of a map to do. And they do. And it's hilarious because it's, I won't blow the whole thing. I won't do any spoilers, but it's probably one of my favorite maps in the in the game because they really kind of pull a 360 on you, uh, 180 rather. And so now the question <laughs> spin is- Spin in circles, whirling woo, toward freedom. Toward freedom, freedom. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, whirling, whirling, whirling toward marriage. <laughs> well that's what i'm trying to that's decide me this year <laughs> oh. i'm trying to figure out like, who i should marry it's like uh, a toss-up i'm thinking zel uh what's his name i'm zirkov i'm the the, the weirdo with the with the <laughs> i really want to marry can Obviously you marry anyone Chloe, right? like what's the what are the limitations on who you can marry i think just anyone you can s rank but i don't think you can s rank everyone is it is everybody you can s rank can you be like, gay bisexual i think so yeah so the the way it works i had to write this guide oh my um, god um the the way it works is that there there are characters who are s rankable and characters who are not s rankable but the reasons they are or are not is not limited by uh the gender you choose at the beginning instead it's limited by like who it would just be weird for the character to s rank so like those little kids that start out with you at the beginning are not s rankable oh, and stop yeah. complaining online that they're not you're weird yeah um but <laughs> stop complaining you're weird if if a character is s rankable like I, i'm pretty sure Yunaka is i'm pretty Yunaka sure the is, dancer yeah. is um zelkov like is. Zelkov's yeah, the one they, I'm thinking of. They are then all like you can romance them as anybody. And it does mean the dialogue is the same, which is kind of a bummer uh, that it's just like, oh, no matter what, it's like the same dialogue and it's just different character. But it does mean that, yes, you can be hella gay in this game. So, right. Woo. but I can't marry Chloe because she's already girlfriends with uh, Marin, the wolf chick, who's the mm. only one you can give horse manure to, I figured out. 
because she <laughs> loves she loves animals. So if you give her like horse poop, uh, which I have like a whole bunch of it, she's like, well, what animals is from? Oh, it's from a horse. And she's really disappointed about it. I cannot stress enough. She does love that shit. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's also amazing. like one of my most I basically have a whole bunch of wolf riders in my party because it's just like y'all can kill what? everything before they even know they're dead wow yeah no kidding huh <laughs> just dancing in the moonlight from 14 raid is playing as you're like cresting the horizon <laughs> with all these wolf all riders these wolf. no it's uh, it's a lot of fun moonlight. yeah i'm up to chapter nine in fire emblem engage um so i feel like i'm really finally truly getting into the meat of the game at this point i've got enough emblem rings that i get to make interesting decisions i think i just got leif and I put Leif on Anna, and she's actually kind of monstrous. Um, Anna's, Anna's like kind of scarily. I, I don't use her because I'm the person who uses cool characters. And I don't think Anna's cool enough. She's Sorry. cool. No, she's, she's a not kid. Cool. It's weird. She's scrappy do. She's scrappy do. It's weird that she's a kid because I like I I found that jarring after seeing her in Three Houses, and I know she's been yeah. in like a bunch of Fire Emblem games, but it was weird. I and honestly, it's just weird because like the the high pitched voice and the I'm a kid merchant thing yep. that she always yep. does. Like, that's it just, why it just I play it with the sound off. Ah, uh, <laughs> there we are. Scrappy do. I also um I really want to mirror. I don't know if you can S rank uh Fogato, who's one of my favorite Fire Emblem characters I, ever. I think Fogato is one of the non-romanceable uh, S ranks. I'm double checking this, um, but that was the one where I was like, "Really?" Ivy okay. has it for me real bad. I might just go with Ivy. That's a real easy choice. Ivy's good. Ever since I put Sigurd on Chloe, she's become kind of my MVP because she can just fly yeah. around the map. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, Celica is a really good ring because if mm -hmm. I'm if one of my characters are in trouble. I can engage and do the warp over mm -hmm. to basically nuke somebody immediately. So, um, but I've been playing multiple maps now where it's just you on one side and the enemy on the other, and you're basically just running into one another. So I'm looking, I'm hoping for more elaborate maps soon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You definitely get more elaborate, especially with the paralogs. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a great map I loved with uh, the crazy guy. Okay. First of all, I'm a stupid Anglo girl. I don't know if this is the case, but I'm seeing a couple of names that I think are supposed to be French and they're being pronounced in not French and they're driving me up the wall. Like Gris. I don't think it's Gris and I don't think it's Moviar. I think it's Movier and Gris. And yeah, Gris uh, is right. Gris is um, a great map where he's darting in and out of the dark. Like that's like, that was great. I love that. Uh, there are some pretty awesome maps. Uh, and I, I just mentioned the, the ring map, which is hilarious. Like, oh, Okay, Weeb, here you go. Fight for your love. You got me there. I got to do it. And I did. I, From what I understand, I haven't done any of them yet because I haven't gone back to Engage yet. But I think the ring maps are supposed to be like old maps from those specific Fire Emblem games that they like redesign for yeah, the Engage. are all uh, uh, callbacks. And that owns. I think that's great because I think I saw the one from Path of Radiance and it is exactly the map that I'd hope. I, I'd hoped it would be from Path of Radiance because mm. it's that's one of my favorite Fire Emblem maps, and yeah, that that's just so cool. Again, I love that this is like a celebration of the history of Fire Emblem in the ways that it is. A celebration that manages to not be overbearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, yeah. for sure. The rings are definitely secondary. It's not like you can marry your emblems, unfortunately. But yeah, Cowards. they the but why <laughs> the not? 
That's what I want to know. I mean, do you see that intro cinema? Like, I have the male character, and he's just like, together I was going with Martha. I'm like, oh my god, it's like the gayest thing on my Switch right about now. All I want to marry is Micaiah. That's all I want. I want Smooch a ghost. I don't yeah, think there's anything about Smooching a ghost. in this game. You've got Lynn? Ike in this game. Ike, yeah. You're going to put Hector in this game. Like, come on. What are we doing here? No, great game. Um, I say, I'd say it's very much more awakening than it is uh three houses so some people are really not happy with the fact that it doesn't even though the story has its sweet moments and it's kind of like sad moments it doesn't take itself nearly as seriously as three no houses, so. no it's a saturday morning but cartoon. that's fine with yeah. me it's, it's great i had a great time with it yeah definitely one of the most underrated releases of this year so far as for me i've been playing fire emblem engage but more importantly i went to super nintendo world uh over the past week i'm so mad yes. uh, very cool very enjoyable experience. I was really impressed with what they've accomplished. I'm not much of a theme park nerd, not not like a lot of my friends, because um, I like sincerity, and uh, it's difficult for me to overlook the artificiality Same. of these experiences. It all feels a little contrived to me, but I do respect the artistry and the work that goes into them, and God knows technology has come so far with uh, theme parks, and that was like so apparent with super nintendo world um it's it's an experience even, even though it's smaller and more condensed than your um than the one in osaka when you walk through the warp pipe and you emerge and you're just surrounded by sight and sound mm-hmm. you feel like you're totally immersed in mario for a hot second it is it works it, it really elicits the sense of joy that Shigeru Miyamoto is trying to accomplish. Also, the tiramisu rules. Oh my god, mm. it's delicious. The cream? The cream is so good. <laughs> did you go on the Mario Kart ride? I'm, I'm afraid I might be too fat for that one. So I, did, I, I did everything, actually. And no, you're How not. was it? That's um, what I want to know. Oh, it was excellent. Yeah. Uh, it was easily the most impressive part of that entire of that entire experience. Because That's a whole you, reason to go for me. Yeah, no, you go in and you put on these little glasses. Uh, first of all, when you're walking through, the just the area where you're standing in line is gorgeous because you're walking through Bowser's Castle as you're going through. And then you feel like you're in Mario Kart when they're doing the tutorial. Um, and then finally you get into the actual thing and it's like four people in a cart and you're like, you can be driving and as you're driving, you're trying to kind of turn with the arrows that are appearing in your AR glasses, and you're seeing other carts from the game like around you, and you're shooting them, and you're shooting um, various things that can get you points. And your goal is to get as many points, uh, as many coins as you possibly can, and ultimately um, defeat your opponents. It's, it's not quite that's a, awesome. A race. It's more of a shooter game, <laughs> more of a kill huh. everyone on the road game. I like that. I appreciate but, that. Yeah. But it's like a game game. So is yeah. it not like a ride in a no, traditional it's a sense? I mean, you're but, in like sort of a roller coaster kind of situation. Okay. It's on rails. Um, so is it like the, the like Millennium AR Falcon elements thing? With, they mix AR elements with actual physical props. And okay. Yeah. And then at one point you go into Rainbow Road. Awesome. Does it have the music? Like, does it have the music surrounding you? I think when you get to Rainbow Road, it does. Ah, yeah, that's what I need. Yeah, I remember music happening. Dun, dun, I was like dun, really dun, locked in on all the visuals dun, 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 and everything, so mm-hmm. my memory is a little hazy. But I'm pretty, at a minimum, I'm pretty sure there was music when we got to Rainbow Road. It was very cool. Um, 
easily easily the best part of that entire experience, I think. I would love to go to the Osaka one, but I don't think I could deal with number one, the, the doubled expense and the language barrier would probably be a bit of a, a, a letdown. Mm-hmm. But I know what you mean about about like theme parks being a little bit false. Like when I first went to Disney World, it actually legit freaked me out how I mean, I've, I've said the dead lizard patrol story. I told you all that one and just how everyone's there to serve you and being like just catered to every second, like really kind of creeps me out. And all, people always having that face, like the, the hi, this is Disney Land. Like, I'm walking through Disney World thinking, wow, what if like a nuclear apocalypse happened here? That would be so cool. That would be perfect. That would just be like, oh my what? God, I have all these story ideas. <laughs> How can you not? How can you see all those happy faces and smiling like weird plastic things and, and not think like, oh my God, this is like the height of <laughs> human hubris and <laughs> what a place to set like a, a an apocalypse like Donnie, you went to the happiest place on earth and you're like what if they dropped the bomb here not only that i was walking with warren specter because that was the whole reason i was there and he's like giving us a tour of the park and he has a childlike wonder like i love disney so much it means everything to me i'm thinking this is the weirdest story i don't how did warren specter end up involved in this because he went there for epic, epic mickey, mickey too. Right? It was yeah. a it was a preview event from Epic Mickey Two. We all got taken oh. to Disney World, and it was my first time at Disney World. And I just remember walking beside uh, Chris Hoffman and saying, "Hey, what if this like place was like a a wasteland? Wouldn't that be like so amazing?" And this, oh like, Nadia's, this Nadia. is where Nadia's head goes. Well, it doesn't help that this was like <sighs> September or October, and I this was my first time in Florida. And like Jesus Christ, why is it allowed to be so hot here? So if you see a picture, there's actually a video of me somewhere uh, of Warren Spector talking, and we're all gathered around him like Jesus and his disciples. And I'm falling asleep on my 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 feet because it's like this is so hot. How do you deal with this? How do you deal with this humidity? What is going on? Why does Florida exist? And having these all these dreams about nuclear apocalypse and Disney. Yeah, oh. it was a messed up trip, but it was a lot of fun. Like. But I see where you're coming from, a cat. I can't really. The, the facade's a little bit crumbly sometimes. That was my I point. I feel like my segment was just hijacked by Nadia and it turned was. into an accidental it was. pit. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Can you imagine, though, like if I went to, like, how my mind would, like, function if I went to this Nintendo World place? Like, it would just melt down completely and dribble out my ears. It wouldn't last. You'd be like, wow, look at all this Mario stuff. It would be shame if the zombie apocalypse started yeah. right yeah. now. <laughs> mushrooms, yeah. The oh, Last shit. of Us, Mario, mushrooms. Toad doing the toad scream as like tendrils come out of his mouth and infect people. Yeah. <laughs> the smoker's cough toad. Kill me, Mario. Be my mercy angel. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. You had a good time, Kat. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. really nice. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> well, that's it for what we've been playing. You broke Eric. <laughs> yeah, we better stop it here. Here's what else is out this week. On February 21st, Like a Dragon Ishin will be releasing. On February 22nd, we'll be getting Redemption Reapers. Tell me one more time what the heck that is, Eric. It is a tactical RPG from the creative team that also worked on Ender Lilies. Uh, and it looks very Game of Thronesy. Hmm, interesting. February 23rd, Digimon World Next Order. It's the Switch port of the 2016 game for the PS4. So uh, gotta love those eight-year-old that? games on the Switch at this point. I'll take them all. Seven-year-old them games. Up. And finally, February 24th, Octopath Traveler 2. Yeah! yeah. Which we'll be reviewing on this podcast. I have got to finish Fire Emblem and engage and rip myself away from theater rhythm long engage. enough to get ready for that. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I, I plan to just keep noodling away at engage. I uh, I would really like to finish it before 
Well, the big wave of RPGs hit, specifically Tears of the Kingdom and Stars and Starfield. So I got to hurry. Let's go. Okay. And now it's time for a series of random encounters. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Universe is open pre-registration for Honkai Star Rail. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is getting a big patch to address a lot of bugs. Ha. Legend of Dragoon is on PlayStation Plus, and my dreams are truly coming true. That's not true. Stop. <laughs> Stop what? it. If I'm, if I'm, I'm sorry. Gonna write... I'm sorry. Are we insulting Legend of Dragoon? If I'm going to write the notes, I'm going to have fun. All right. Rev, don't tell me you like Legend of Dragoon. Like Legend of Dragoon. What's wrong with it? <laughs> Did we have a? <laughs> you know what? No, you know what? I'm about ready to hurt Cat's feelings. I played Legend of Dragoon in the original Final Fantasy VII in the same year, and guess which one I didn't finish because I didn't like it. It wasn't oh, no. Legend of Dragoon. Oh, these are some takes. Let's and go. Say my words are Jesus. <laughs> Accidental pit. <laughs> Legend. I like I like Final Fantasy VII Remake. I understand why that game was good in its time. It's fine. I respect it. Continue. There are a lot of people who love Legend of Dragoon. Um, I was not one of them um, at the time, and I don't think that it has aged particularly well. But um, we had a whole podcast in which a Legend of Dragoon um, aficionado came on the show specifically to defend it. So... Um, so go listen to that one if you want positive Legend of Dragoon vibes. Um, I will say that the transformations were really nice. See? See, I'm being nice. It's, uh-huh. it's okay, I, I guess. Um, Moonlighter developer Digital Sun is working on a League of Legends action RPG, The Mage Seeker. Jeez, I'm, you really did hurt my feelings, Rev. I just don't even know. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to cry now. Wow. Don't cry. Mm-hmm, I'm going to cry. Mm-hmm. No, cry. cry. It's good content. I didn't say it's a great RPG. I don't think it. I don't think it deserves to be in the pantheon. It's just I liked it. It's a good game. I had a nice time. Okay, uh, CD Projekt accidentally included a mod for uh, realistic hoo-hahs. I think Nadia wrote that for feminine. No, monsters. that wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> for feminine Protein. monsters in the Witcher Three Next Gen update, and they are trying to remove it. <laughs> don't get mad. I'm trying to fix it. I'm trying they to use, it. They were using a Next Gen mod that somebody did. Uh, they like bought it and everything, but that mod actually incorporated another mod, mm-hmm. which was uh, mm-hmm. realistic hoo-hahs in The Witcher Three, <laughs> and so that's what happens when you decide that you're going to start using mods to uh, shortcut 
things. All I have to say is CD Projekt, you're going to sit there and, and put a dick slider in a game, but then get all huffy when there's a realistic hoo-ha mod accidentally <laughs> slipped into your update. Hoo-ha. Like, come on. Come on. This is sexism. Mm-hmm. 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 It's mm-hmm. true. Though CD Projekt was very specific to be like, it's not that we're sex negative. It's not that. It's just, it's... you know. Okay. Uh, the Midnight Suns DLC number two will be adding Venom and will be launching February 23rd. And uh, speaking of which, Jake Solomon, who uh, was the lead designer on XCOM 2 and Midnight Suns, is leaving mm. for Axis, mm. which is genuinely heartbreaking because yeah. I never got my Terror from the Deep uh, uh, XCOM remake or whatever. Yeah. I really loved XCOM 2. It's one of the best strategy games I've ever played mm-hmm. and really inaugurated a tactics renaissance renaissance on renaissance. PC. Uh, back in the day, I think people forget this. In 2009, 2010, 2K was trying to turn XCOM into a freaking first-person shooter, oh, which they did. Yes. Ultimately, yes, they that. turned into the Bureau. And yeah. an executive said... Look, people just don't want those tactics RPGs. And then Firaxis came out and made XCOM Enemy Unknown, and it was amazing. And people went, wait a minute. Tactics games can be mass market. So a lot of love, a lot of respect uh, for XCOM and XCOM 2. And well, gosh, I hope it just means that the series isn't dead. But good luck to Jake Solomon. Oh, and by the way, a new civilization is in the works if you're into that kind of thing. One day we should get Shivam on here and he can just talk, a, let him loose for a bit, let him talk. Oh, if Shivam were on here, I would just turn, sit back and let him Seed go the for floor. the next 30 minutes. He probably <laughs> like would still be talking. And finally, uh, speaking of tactics, if y'all are looking for that Final Fantasy Tactics remake, a Square pre- producer says that uh, the tactics team... Uh, that worked on Tactics Ogre is extremely busy. Hmm. They got a bunch of like weird, complicated hmm. gunplay kits, and they just haven't been able to figure them out. They got a jigsaw puzzle over there, you know. <laughs> hey, gunplay kits are hard, y'all. They are hard. That's why the Tactics team is hard at work. You know, those those gunplay ain't gonna build themselves. The hardest part of gunplay is staring at the instruction manual and going Unopened box <laughs> but how did these go together like you're trying to figure it out how they come together based on the illustration but uh that's neither here nor there this week's main topic is uh the rpg sommelier i don't know why we we wrote that but okay so yeah, we are making the sommelier. Our... We're like the 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 dude in John Wick too, where John Wick goes oh, down. He's like, I want oh. something bold, robust, and we're like, let me suggest. Eric just wanted to say the word sommelier. It's a I good see. word. It is a good. No, I agree. It's a good word. I'm I not saying sommelier at first. I was very confused. Sommeliers. Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. We have a lot of we have a lot of different categories, and we're basically going to recommend. RPGs within them. And this was inspired by somebody on Twitter asking me, what is a short RPG? How short like is that, short? How short are we talking? We're talking fewer than 15 hours. Undertale. 10 to 15 hours. Undertale is a good recommend. I would say um, a really good one is, uh, what's it? Madness This Always Lies. We actually just talked to uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Robert Boyd, which is like a very, I don't know, like 10 hours, 15 uh, hours. It's very cute, very well done. You can't really, you really can't go wrong. I recommend it. It's fun. Yeah, it's it's really very snappy. Moves along at a good pace. Uh, Parasite Eve, not a bad shout Parasite either. Eve, yeah, that's a that's a 
as a choice for sure. Hmm. It's it's short though. You can get through that in the afternoon probably if you wanted to. You can, to, you can. I guess day. it's a re- yeah. it's a really interesting part of RPG history. I think like you do have that. The aesthetic is like no other game that ever has existed because it really really in between that Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VIII stage. So they were kind of fumbling around a bit. Mm-hmm. I would like an RPG that you can reasonably sit through play in one sitting. I think the problem is RPGs tend to be very like the when we think about RPGs, something that jumps to mind immediately is like systems. We like systems and you really it's very difficult to have a complex but understandable system that you can get all the meat out of in a very short period of time. Exactly. Like, you kind of need to let it simmer for a while and add things slowly, otherwise it doesn't work. So it's like a stew. Why, yeah. yeah. So like like, like all the all the mm-hmm. ones I'm thinking of, like Undertale Everhood, off things like that are RPGs, but their systems are like really short or like they're they're very simple. I will so. say that maybe roguelikes fill that need then, because the first one I thought of was World of Horror, which is like an RPG style game and is a roguelike game, and you can get through a run in probably about hour two hours. So maybe that's something to look into. I would uh, recommend if you can find it, Crimson Shroud. That's a great RPG. Very simple, very snappy, very good, very interesting, very uh, unique. Runs on dice mechanics, and it's 10, 15 hours at most. Oh, Vic is yelling soccer awards. (laughs) (laughs) I think that if you wanted to do an RPG that you could do in one sitting, the way that you would end up doing is, A, you would level up, your characters would level up really fast and just keep gaining new abilities on the reg, practically with every new battle. You make it very bespoke, you take out grinding because that's just not a thing in this game. And you give interesting decisions to make at every turn. And you basically remove all of the fluff and supercharge it. And you don't introduce the characters. You have the characters already there, as it were. I just thought of one that I don't think I've ever talked about anywhere before. Uh, and the title is gr- a great answer for this. It's called The Longest Five Minutes. <laughs> Mm. Um, it's not five minutes long. It's about like, like a, a quick playthrough is like eight hours long. So it's not a one sitting. It's like a two sitting, three sitting, but, but it's, it's an RPG where you start at the final boss battle and in the middle of it, the boss does an attack that causes the, the main hero to lose his memory. And the rest of the game is him in, in the course of the five minutes, it's taking the boss to charge up his like super powerful attack and wipe you all out. Uh, is trying to remember who he is and all of the abilities that he knows oh, that so that he fun. can actually defeat this guy. And yeah. so he's flashing yeah. back to the different parts of their journey. So it's it's a it's a full RPG, but it's like truncated into little like split up spots. So it's like, oh remember when we first started our journey. Oh remember this part. Um, it kinda I, sounds like loop hero almost. It's interesting. Yeah. It's not it's not like mind blowing ten out of ten phenomenal or phenomenal or anything, but it's it's a really interesting little game with a like really nice soundtrack. And I, I had forgotten about it entirely until I just suddenly had this flash of memory and Yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. A uh, Loop Hero is a good shout, so is Darkest Dungeon, I think. Even though those are games that you you would break up naturally, I think the idea of if you want something that you can get a good experience out of in like a moment and just like sit down and play and then like detach from and then come back later. Like roguelites are probably what you're looking for. Probably any also uh, any Mario RPG, except maybe sticker star. Even that one, I don't think is that bad, but the paper Mario games, Mario and Luigi games are all very brisk, very, very well written, very funny. 
very easy to play. Um, you really can't go wrong with any of them. I recommend well, Mario and Luigi. Story. Mario and Luigi Paper Jam, I think, was like some 40, 50, 60 hours long. Is it so long? Like, I, I mm. love Paper Jam. I don't remember it being that long, but it, it maybe avoid great. that one then. The only reason I remember it being very long is because that's when I developed hand problems because I was trying to review oh. that game in a week mm. and the, the button mm-hmm. time tapping uh, over like 40 hours really mm-hmm. fucked up my wrists. I'll definitely take your word for it then. Yeah, I think you like, would know. In a normal fashion, is fine. If you're not trying to review it within the space of a week, you will not injure yourself playing that game. Right. <laughs> Right. Definitely don't review it in a week, guys. Otherwise, don't do that. Our art raider was mentioning Half Minute Hero. Yep. Yes, that is like an RPG parody in a lot of ways. Mm. I would not necessarily call that an RPG per se. Robo Riley wants to know, is it possible to beat a Pokemon game in less than 15 hours? Yes. yes. Especially yeah. if you play the OG Pokemon Red and Blue and just use the starter and just basically just barrel your way everything. through the game. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They're games for kids. They're meant to just be easy to beat. And Cal L says, "I'm looking at Crimson Shroud. Do I need to get this from the eShop before the 3DS shop closes?" Yes. yes. And in fact, we're going to do a guide to RPGs uh, on the 3DS that you need to get uh, before we do that. Wow. Though we've done the console RPG quest as well. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we even talked about this a little bit back when they initially announced it. So. Um, I, I need to go through the back catalog, the very extensive back catalog that we have. Oh, this game looks rad. I'm looking at Crimson Shroud. Crimson oh, Shroud is game. dope. Yeah. You got it. You yeah. would love it. Give it a try. Na- yeah. Nadi, explain Crimson Shroud really quickly. Uh, it's been a while since I played it, but it is like very much designed. It's a dice rolling like, game. It's a dice rolling game. It's You use kind of figures instead of uh, you know animated models. It's basically like you're playing a tabletop campaign and it's being narrated at you. It's, really, it's a really interesting juxtaposition of electronic rpgs as we know them and tabletop and that's why eric i had no idea you hadn't played it otherwise i would have recommended it i would have recommended it to you like a thousand years ago if i had not known yeah i've been loading up my 3ds like i have radiant historia on there now i have fantasy life on there now and now i am radiant adding fantasy Shroud. life yeah it's coming back baby also uh john carson a uh, friend of the show tried to sell me on style savvy apparently yes! that's a game i need to play it's not uh, RPG, Katie you loves should absolutely it. play it it's great i i feel like as he was describing it to me, it felt like there was overlap in what appeals to me in an RPG game would I similarly so. appeal to me. If you like the character creator in an RPG, if you yeah. just can spend a long time in a character creator, you will like Style Savvy. It is basically it is basically that, but you're just doing character creators for a bunch of different people based on like their specifications. I mean, there's more to it than that, but that's like... That's kind of the the meat of style savvy, and you have like I'm all these default models to choose from. I oh man, Nadia, I love I love designing little characters. And, Me too. And uh, since Sophia, the developers behind Style Savvy, are also developing fashion that dreamer. new fashion dreamer, the new one that yeah. they uh, announced for the mm-hmm. Switch. So I'm really stoked that Style Savvy is not dead. I just want to add that Fire Emblem Engage has clothes, but weirdly, I prefer the default models for practically all of the characters. Um, I, I, it's, it's a little strange. I just don't want to use the extra clothes. Normally, normally I'm all about customizing my character. It's one of the things I miss the most in Scarlet and Violet is not being able to get away oh from the God. stupid shorts. They're horrible. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. They're not, it turns out shorts actually are not comfy and easy to wear. They're not comfy and easy Absolutely to wear. Not. No, not if you run through a briar <laughs> patch. I don't want to pinwheel this. This is maybe a better post-show discussion, but I would like a Pokemon game where I play as an adult. Where I play as like oh, not a, a small child. 
Yeah, uh, they were going kind of in like the more the older kid direction for a couple years there, where like instead of being ten, you were like twelve or like fourteen or something. Oh wow! Like like X and Y, whatever. And then it feels like they just backed off, and now we're very very tiny again. Yeah, yeah, but we can talk about that in post show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Veronica Cat, speaking of Pokemon, is wondering about monster catchers outside Pokemon, not named Pokemon. I've heard very good things about Monster Sanctuary. I love it's not that. one yeah. that the only Poke clone I really loved was Monster Sanctuary. Casey DeFridis loves that. Yeah, that that is the one I know that a lot of people when they talk about because there's been so many Pokemon clones and they've yeah. all tried to do that thing. But Monster Sanctuary is the one that I've continually heard like manages to get there and and feels like a really unique, solid thing. So y'all want an old school deep cut for this one? Yes. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Magi Nation for Game Boy. Oh. Oh. Anyone oh. I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah. Anyone heard of that? Yeah. I yeah. love that game. Yeah. I mean, if it's I have no idea how you'd get access to it now at this point. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a monster catching game. But it's the the thing that it kind of does monster battling. But the thing that kind of does different is that you, the person with the monsters, are also on the battlefield and you have a health pool and you mm-hmm. summon monsters out of your health pool and they attack out of their health pools. So everything is basically managing health pools and making sure that you're not overextending yourself to summon monsters because if all your monsters are gone, then the enemy can attack you directly. So you want to make sure that you're summoning monsters. Uh, but yeah, it's like it's actually quite difficult. Uh, and I I don't know. I thought it was a very cool game that just absolutely never went anywhere. There was an animated TV show and a card game. I think the card game came first. Uh, I, I never really got into either of those, but I thought the game was really good. Does anyone remember Fossil Fighters? I actually really liked yes. Fossil Fighters. That Fossil was fun. Fighters. I enjoyed yeah. that. That oh, also had a cartoon and also never went anywhere. Um, shout outs to Digimon Cyber Story, Cyber Sleuth. Cyber Sleuth, um, yeah. That is one, uh, one Kenneth Shepard declares is the best game of that year and... Uh, constantly recommends it to me, and I do not pay attention to him because I have too many other games. It's on but Vita, right? It's on Vita. It's also on PS4, PC, Steam Deck. Like it's it's on a lot of it's stuff everywhere. at this point. Yeah, yeah. Cyber Sleuth. I know, and and people in the chat are like shouting it out right now. Mm-hmm. Like those who have played this one are like, yes, this is the Digimon game to play. Um, the only reason I am I am just not a Digimon fan. I can't deal with like Digimon starting out as like a cute cat and evolving into a refrigerator. I just can't yeah. deal with that. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Uh, I, I, I kind of bounced off of it when it launched. I hear really good things about Temtem. Yeah. Um, and Ooblets is another one that I bounced off of. It has, online, one, yeah. it has online game disease. Where it's just, it has online game disease. That's so a good so name does Pokemon. Live yeah. service disease. But Pokemon, so Pokemon at this it. point. Yeah. I think my problem with both Ooblets and Temtem is that they kind of, and I've been thinking about this with Pokemon a lot lately. Like the reason why Pokemon, the monsters are so appealing is because like they, they have this specific sort of set of design ideas or whatever that they all fall within. So they're all recognizable as Pokemon, but they're also, some of them are cute. Some of them are tough looking. Some of them are stupid looking. Some of them are garbage bags. Some of them are big dragons. Like they, they range a spectrum of cool and cute and also kind of silly and also kind of mundane, but you also really fall in love with the mundane ones because of the contrast. I feel like with Ooblets, everything was cute. Literally everything was cute. And when everything is saturated in this sort of twee cuteness, it was just, it was too much. Like, nothing was unique anymore and it didn't it didn't appeal to me as much because there wasn't as much variety in the monsters and then the same thing happened with uh temtem except 
in Temtem, you had cute and cool. Those were the only two kinds of monsters. And there was just nothing in between. When everything is either cute or cool, nothing is. I need some lame. I need some lamers. No disrespect to you, Reb. I feel like we. I feel like we make this point every single episode at this point. <laughs> oh, sorry, my bad. <laughs> no, it's okay. I just no, was observing my whole, the, that the whole philosophy is like if everyone's yeah. Arcanine, nobody is Arcanine. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. If everybody's Arcanine, nobody is. Sorry, I love sticking of Scott. You never forget Trubbish. You might hate him, no. but you'll never forget him. Never forget him. Um, I, I like. That our audit, our stars of destiny are also throwing a lot of suggestions into the yeah, chat. Yeah, some good ones here. Uh, Teep says Cyrilim is a cool DQ monster style indie with a bunch of content. Uh, Victor says Final Fantasy X two monster cunning catching lets you catch Lulu, so that's an instant win. Oh my god, that is true. Doing? That is <laughs> true. Is she yeah. on the belt? Like just wandering around? Lulu, Orin, Titus, you can like monster catch all the characters from 10 and other stuff in that game and you then use them, them as balls. party members. 10 2 is a bizarre game that makes no sense, but that's why it's beautiful. Okay. Uh, and we will talk I about it in an eventual. Eventually we'll pantheon. do a pantheon around it. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it's a pantheon game, but I do think it's great. Oh, I I feel like it's a fringe case, but we will very we much will a get fringe there. case. Yeah. But it is better than Final Fantasy X. Uh, Ruka says Revelations the Demon Slayer was a good Pokemon like which came before Pokemon. So uh Dragon Quest Monsters. Dragon Quest Treasures is pretty good. It's not exactly mm-hmm. the monsters mm-hmm. follow-up I mm-hmm. wanted, but it's still a lot of fun. Uh, uh Shimagami Tensei, as has been mentioned mm-hmm. here. So here's a question. Pokemon is specifically focused around catching the monsters. Whereas oh. like Dragon Quest V, the monsters are additive. I would even argue that the monsters are a little bit additive in Shimigami Tensei. Like it's a it's a dungeon crawler first, not a monster catcher. So do those games count? I think Shin Megami Tensei does. Shin Megami Tensei definitely does. It's a person asking for recommendations. Whatever counts is what we want to count. I I, I <laughs> sure. think Fair. like Fair. the negotiating aspect is what takes it over that those demons then become like a core part of what you are doing they are your party they are the things that you're using to fight with so even if you are fusing and merging and not really like seeing them in the story they are a thing that uh is still effective ruka is wondering about rpgs with grand strategy elements Oh, not really my forte. Let me tell you about Divinity Dragon Commander, uh, an absolutely fantastic video game uh, made by the one and only Larian. Uh, You play as a commander who is also a dragon and you command your units and move them around the grand strategy thing. And then you turn into a dragon and descend on the battlefield to do dragon shit. And then you also like have to deal with politics and you can marry a skeleton wife and it's beautiful. (laughs) And uh, everything about that game is just an absolute fever dream in the best way. And I cannot recommend enough that people play divinity dragon commander. It is a dragon and a skeleton. No wonder God's turned his back on us. It, it slaps. It's so good. I, I badly wish more people, especially those who have gotten into a, original sin and some of the more recent larian hits you need to go back and play dragon commander it is quite good i never well, okay. thought people would ever find dragon uh, never find skeleton sexy i just thought it was not possible but then undertale came out and ruined everything it just destroyed my mind thank <laughs> you for that toby fox i appreciate it does dragon age inquisition count 
I guess not really, but like you're, you're opening up new areas, right. And kind of shifting around different things, Eric. Which one? Sorry. I was looking for pictures of the skeleton wife. Um, <laughs> Dragon Age Inquisition. <laughs> uh, I don't think it has enough grand strategy yeah. to, to really get there. I, I do get some of the idea of, of recommending that because of that map that you have and different things that you can go do. But there's something about grand strategy being you are not just doing things on the map, but like the idea of physically pushing troops and, and doing things. Um, thank you for posting pictures of the skeleton wife in the chat. <laughs> but, <laughs> she is kind of hot. Um, yeah, I don't think Dragon Age Inquisition. This is hard because I feel like there are more grand strategy games with RPG elements than there are RPG games with is grand Crusader strategy Kings elements. An RPG. No, but it is RPG adjacent. Um, it's Endless just, Legends. Are these, are these just words that we're using now? <laughs> RPG. Oh, Age, Age of Wonders. I think Age of Wonders would probably be up in RPG fans alley. I think they'd probably mm. enjoy that. Yeah. Age of Wonders. What is Age of Wonders? It's it it is a grand strategy game first and foremost, but it's like you remember how like Warcraft three like kind of did hero units and and put that idea into the RTS setting. That's what Age of Wonders did for like grand strategy, in my opinion. Uh, I, I've only played three, I think uh, Age of Wonders three, but it is a really interesting weird mix of you have a party, you have an RPG thing, but you're also moving around on a grand strategy board kind of like, um, shoot. What's the game? Uh, symphony war is based heroes of might and magic. Uh, that it's was a not, great game. it's not dissimilar from heroes of might and magic. Yeah. Yeah. Teeps had me there. Um, so yeah, those would be ones that I would recommend if you want like an RPG game with a grand strategy twist. Uh, Divinity Dragon Commander is great. Age of Wonders is great. Heroes of Might and Magic is is going to get you there too. Symphony of War is one that is worth shouting out. Um, there, there's there's a surprising number of options out there. They are going to lean more towards grand strategy just by nature. So it's it's kind of hard to get one that feels like sixty percent RPG, forty percent grand strategy, but you can find it. Reb, why do you hate your? Uh, why do you hate grand strategy? What? I don't hate grand. Strategy. You're I, making noises like. Ugh. No, I understand that. That's a very cerebral genre that I know nothing, very little. I did love Heroes of Might and Magic. I love that on the mm. Switch, but otherwise, I feel this. I feel that. Uh, Reb, don't worry. I didn't think I was making noises. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Maybe you have an unconscious bias against grand strategy. Uh, Reb. Maybe you should examine I was just that. Like, Jeez. No, now I'm now I'm actually wondering what that was. Was I ma- was I making noises? No, I thought you were. Um, it was a dog. Oh. Everyone says it actually is the dog in here. No. Okay, I don't. I actually don't know what that was. I Reb, why you, why do you dislike good things, Reb? No, 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 no. I, I, have, I have I have I was not intending to make angry noises about grand strategy. I have nothing to contribute to this conversation because it's not a genre I explore much. But I have no feelings about it. Truly, Victor has my back. I forgot about infinite space. Yes, infinite space. Infinite space. Does that count as grand strategy? I think it's close enough. Uh, stomach growling is that picking up? No, it's oh like you're traveling from planet to planet, con- doing various storylines and leveling I, up your ship. And I, I don't know if I would call that a grand strategy game. Look, I just a grand want strategy an game is like you're looking at back. a big map and you're like, I'm going to put stuff here. I'm going to put stuff there. Setting up a fortress, meow. 
Um, I just want an excuse to play infinite space again. So this is me sowing the seeds of uh, we need to have infinite space back in another Pantheon vote because it was in a Pantheon vote. I think the Cowboy Bebop one. Uh, and it did not win. That was a good Pantheon month because that had SteamWorld Heist in it, too. That was yeah, a really like good Mass Pantheon 3, Mass selection. Mass Effect 3 has grand strategy elements. Which one? Mass Effect 3. Because you're, there's the no, whole galactic map and the, no, the war. No? Mm-mm. No? No. The, the way that stuff worked was that you have the galactic map, but it was there always online, like... Oh, this week's hot zone is the Asari DMZ. So go over here and do multiplayer maps in the Asari DMZ to build up galactic readiness. And it was just their way to get people to play the multiplayer. Um, I probably would have liked that aspect of Mass Effect 3 more if it did feel like a grand strategy game, because one of my great grievances with Mass Effect 3 is that the galactic readiness thing is just a bar and it doesn't feel like you are actually really accumulating any power and you're just trying to satisfy a good ending, bad ending uh, meter. So got that off my chest. Sorry, Ken, I did it because you weren't here to defend it. (laughs) Well, okay, we just talked about grand strategy, um, but like Reb and Nadia were maybe feeling like they couldn't necessarily contribute to this one. So, Nadia, why don't you pick a category? Uh, let's see. Classic RPGs that age well. That's a very easy one. Um, Dragon Quest Three. <laughs> I mean, we're going to say Chrono Trigger. It's Chrono gonna Trigger. Of course it is. Chrono Trigger? Chrono, Chrono, Chrono Trigger is like the prime example of that, yeah. Yeah, but also, um, let me see what else. Uh, Dragon Quest Three. although I would still say wait for the HD 2D whenever the hell that's coming out. Uh, Final Fantasy VI has some jank to it. Like, I can see there's some elements that people wouldn't like so much, but I still think that's great. What is the classic RPG that has aged the best? That isn't named Chrono Trigger. That's, that's, a, that's a hard one, but I would say, like, going back to our discussion about old RPGs, sorry, about RPGs that are short, Final Fantasy IV, you can't go wrong. It's, like, mm. less than 20 mm-hmm. hours. It's very straightforward, basic RPG that really gets you in the meat of what makes an RPG from the story to the mechanics. I'd almost say that's one of the ones that aged well the best, especially if you played on PSP. And uh, the Pixel Remaster is good too. That's coming to the Switch too, thank God. So yeah, that's a great one as well. Um, Suikoden Two. Oh yeah, Suikoden Two is the classic easy RPG has that has aged well. the best. That isn't named Chrono Trigger. I I think I agree with that assessment for sure. Awesome! Wow, I'm in agreement. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's. It's a great RPG. I was replaying it for a project that I, I can't discuss right now, but I'll let you all know when I can. And uh, yeah, I was just like, wow, this is such a great game. I can't wait to play it on the Switch. When, which It looks great there. I think the remake is looking fantastic so far. Mm-hmm. Reb, this one's for you. Okay. Indie RPGs that didn't get their 15 minutes of fame. Oh, oh that God. That was a good one. Uh, now I got to rack my brain. Um, Does Omori count? Omori's a great game. Did oh, it get yeah. 15 minutes of fame? Mm-hmm. No, but guess... Omori got its fame. Omori got its fame. That's fair. So here's, I mean, I think this one was like cult famous, uh, but it was actually recommended to me uh, a couple of Blood God appearances ago. Uh, someone recommended Off to me. Mm, um, yeah. And I played it uh, on that recommendation. And I, I think it got it got like cult fame. But I don't think it ever hit mainstream because it's like on itch and people don't look for things if yeah. they don't know what itch is. That's um, a bit limited. Yeah. Off is really interesting. Uh I it's upsetting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, it, the the it's the baseball man 
uh, running around and doing probably murders, question mark. Uh, Maybe murders. In this like weird haunted environment that's like like very creepy and everything's like made of weird flesh and sugar and crap and Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's just very. I, I don't know how to really explain it, but you're basically this baseball guy who's got to like cleanse this area, and you're definitely like from the outset, it's like we're probably the bad guy here. Uh, but yeah, that that one's really interesting. If you like weird stuff, um, definitely that. I feel like a lot of indie RPGs come out that are actually pretty good that just fall between the cracks because there's so many games now. Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to think. Like, Noja is challenging. Noja is one of them for me that I I will never probably ever shut up about Noja. I love that game so so much, and I think everybody should play it. It's so good. It's so yeah. so good. I'm still a big Moon stand, and I'm really glad that finally made it west a couple yeah. years ago. That's one of my absolute favorites, and so it got it got a little more attention the second time around. But I still think it's relatively unknown. I am looking through my Steam library, and I don't know if this one's out yet. It does not Everhood. look like it's out yet, but it's um, it's one that I have had on my radar for a while for release. It's called Long Gone Days, and it's about uh, soldiers who defect from the military and are on the run. And it's about like actual real war and how it affects uh, like people who are caught up in it it deals with a lot of really, really heavy themes. It also deals with language and language barriers in a really cool way. The idea that you have to like master language and, and being someone in an area where you do not speak the the primary language of the area. Uh, it's a really cool thing. I've played a couple hours of it and then was like, I want to wait for the full release. And it's been like two, three years <laughs> since mm, then, but it yeah. is one that like when it comes out, I am going to be there. I, I want to play this thing really bad. Uh, Teep said Everhood. Everhood is, I, I'm not sure Everhood's actually an RPG, but I also don't know what else it is. So right. Like it's not, it's not a rhythm game. I, I don't know what you'd call it, but yeah, like, like I guess it, it's kind of an RPG like, and that, that was one that I, I advocated for a couple of years ago when it came out and it never seemed to spread more widely, even though it's an absolutely fascinating little game about this, this puppet chasing after his stolen arm and the battles are, are music and trying to dodge attacks that happen on the beat. You are not moving on the beat. The enemies are moving on the beat. And so trying to like, like dodge these and, and survive through these battles in this very weird world full of weird characters. And then like two hours in, there's a huge twist and the game becomes about something completely different that I will not tell you. Hell yeah. uh, that's it's great. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Everhood's great for that. Um, Unsighted is one that I thought was going to get more attention and did not. Oh, yeah. So I'll shout that out. Um, it's a game where an Android who is gradually dying in a world of Androids that were gradually dying. And you have to like get these resources. And basically the whole time while you're doing all this, like it is an action RPG, but while you're dealing with all these things, fighting bosses and stuff like that, you're also having to make choices about which characters you are keeping from like losing their health, so to speak, and and letting them go uh, into a berserk mode where you will have to kill them. So you have to actually make decisions about like, do I want to let the shopkeeper or this NPC I really like become an enemy that I will have to kill? Mm. Uh, it's it's kind of a really interesting thing. And it stressed me out so much that I stopped playing it because it gave me anxiety. <laughs> but oh, man. yeah, um, it is a very, very cool thing. Uh, I also feel like the here's I'm going to reach further back because I feel like we've said a lot of recent games. I feel like Reseteer has been 
getting a weird resurgence of love recently and yeah, i like that because always, i feel like yeah. it's always been a yeah. little bit of a cult favorite yeah but like i is it racketeer or reciteer i always called it reciteer i think it's racketeer mm. because it's supposed to be like racketeer oh okay. that makes sense i thought it was mm. reciteer like a receipt oh my um, god they both work yeah they yeah. do i don't know yeah. what to say about that listen to your um, heart Oh, Attack of the Friday Monsters on the 3DS is also a good shout. Yes. Um, from Art Raider in the chat. A lot of talk about Felseal. Yeah, that's one that Mike Williams likes a lot. Mike has recommended that game to me multiple times. What is, what is it? It is a Final Fantasy Tactics alike. Um, oh. It is in the way that Chain Echoes was somebody going like, hey, I want to make a Chrono Trigger. Um, this was somebody saying, hey, I want to make a Final Fantasy Tactics. Uh, and I've heard it. it was a good result people like that game so uh yeah go check that out speaking of tactics rpgs vo the raven wants tactics rpgs that aren't the usual suspects so no tactics ogre no final what? fantasy tactics who are the usual suspects because you know, know if you're chronicles oh i was about to shout out valkyria chronicles i don't think arguably yeah. su- arguably super robot wars because i mentioned it a lot let me tell you about Shin Megami Tensei Devil Survivor. No, <laughs> I, Let me I, tell you about a little game called SD Gundam G Generation Wars. I, um, I say Project Cross Zone. I know it's kind of tedious, but the fan crack is enormously fun. Boy, so is go. it tedious. Yeah, but it's fun. Here's one that I don't think it's shouted out often enough and has been on my list of games I would like to go back to in a future Pantheon. And if I get the chance to make a Pantheon, I might throw it in there. Uh, Jean d'Arc is one that I think is genuinely really cool and has been a cool inspiration for a lot of games. And I would like to see it get flowers more often. So Jean d'Arc is definitely one worth looking into if you like different uh, tactics style games. Uh, DJ Bagel Pup has been bugging me to play Banner Saga. Mm. The Banner Saga trilogy. Kept meaning to play that, never did. Yeah, um... I was like, oh, I have Banner Saga 1 on iOS. I think I'll just grab, pick that up again and play it. But they never released Banner Saga 3 on mobile, which is pretty annoying. So I was like, I guess I'll get the trilogy on Nintendo Switch at some point. But I mean, Banner Saga, I mean, gorgeous, great music. Um, it, just has, it has a vibe and a style and very easy to understand uh, tactics game. So it kind of plays into accessible rpgs like rpgs for mm. first timers i think that certainly compared to a game like tactics ogre or final fantasy tactics um somebody yeah, would sure. be able to grok uh banner saga a lot more easily and there's another one on here it's like rpgs in which your choices significantly impact the yeah oh banner saga is one of them like banner saga yes. three your choices, I, I believe your choices in Banner Saga 1 can like significantly impact how Banner Saga 3 was. It's the it's the full realization of what Mass Effect tried to do back in the day. <laughs> I mean, Mass Effect largely did do, but that's that's a different podcast entirely. But uh, another one I wanted to shout out is Floppy Nights. It's a fairly recent release, but it is uh, it, it's maybe a little bit more advanced Warzy, but it is a deck building game where your cards are units that you then summon onto a turn-based tactical grid and fight with and it is surprisingly good in the way that advanced wars was that gateway thing for a lot of us to get into tactics i think floppy knights hits the same 
uh, zone of here's something that's very approachable to to learn and understand how this stuff works. Uh, I would say uh, this another recommendation in the same field is uh, uh, Steamworld Chronicles, which is basically a, a beginner version of Slay the Spire. So if you find Slay the Spire a little bit too inaccessible, or if you just actually want the the the, the formula with a story behind it. That's it's a pretty good shout out. I don't think it's like the best SteamWorld game, but it's very good. What was was there a double fine tactics game that I'm trying to remember? Massive Chalice. Was, yes, that one. Yes, I I liked uh, you could argue that that game has some grand strategy aspects to it because mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. are raising up um, family members. It's you're raising up. You're basically kind of managing generations of people, right? Yeah. And it, uh, so we, in that same Retronauts episode where everybody was dragging Golden Sun, um, wow, this episode also <laughs> was dragging Double Fine and what? <laughs> I actually kind of agree. <laughs> Boy, they made a pretty savage Jeez. observation that a lot of Double Fine games are really good pitches on paper, but never go beyond that. And I don't disagree. Uh, and I think Massive Chalice is the epitome of that. And, and a game where you're like, wow, like this could be really great. But it had like three classes. There was no depth to it. And in fairness, there was like one guy working on it. So it never really had that much of a chance. And Double Fine had absolutely no resources at the time. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah that was the game. <laughs> and I wouldn't uh- re- really recommend it. Can I sneak in with with a couple for the uh, ending, different endings based on choices mm-hmm. pile? Yeah, let's um, let's jump to that category. Yeah. Both both of them are a little more old school, and they're not like they're, they're, it's not like Chrono Trigger where there's you know like twenty different endings. But the two that I always think of are both Square games. Uh, Bravely Default uh, primarily yeah. has two endings, but the reason why I love it is because it actively messes with your mind in what it what. Your, it, what it is anticipating you are going to do and what it is trying to tell you you think you should do. Uh, that whole thing at the end where it's like, do we break the crystals or do we not break the crystals? And it's this, it's this wonderful mind game of like the game telling you, don't, whatever you do, don't break the crystals. But then also this other guy going, but maybe breaking the crystals is a good idea. And it trying to trying to making you figure out who to trust and anticipating what you are going to consider as an RPG player, because when everyone's telling you not to do something as an RPG player, obviously you go do that. Thing. Do it. And so it anticipating that you're going to do that and sort of the reversal of expectations that comes with that, I thought was extremely cool. Uh, and the ways it guides you into the endings that way. And then the other one is one I played last year and advocated for a lot, Live Alive. And I of think, course, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the it, it all kind of comes down to how you handle the ending specifically. Like there's multiple ways you can handle it. And not all of them are obvious. Like it's not a simple kill or spare the guy. There is, there is one moment like that, but there's also like some other choices you make that impact it. And especially in the remake that they did, there's a brand new ending that was added if you meet certain conditions that are not maybe immediately obvious. And it is so beautiful and satisfying like ah i'm so glad they added it i can't i can't believe they added a new ending to that game after all these years that perfectly finishes they did a great job on that game just like really put a lot i need to go finish that game it's so Um, eric it's so satisfying i know i know it is a shameful backlog um shout outs to tactics ogre uh, especially Mm -hmm. tactics ogre reborn has amazing like pathing stuff in it and i love it um also the I was going to say the Nier series. 
uh, yes. Yes. near yeah. replicant and near automata but especially i think if i'm being honest like near automata is very much like you are meant to do a through e and it feels like a linear progression near replicant is the one where i feel like they use the endings more interestingly let me say that i feel like it's a more um like like they do cooler things with the endings whereas like i not to say that the endings in near automata are bad they're just like kind of meant to be linearly experienced in my opinion whereas replicant really does interesting twists drakengard also a good shout yeah. drakengard ending e is one of the most buck wild things that i've ever seen a video game do and i love it for that and so. uh don't forget elden ring that's a big one we're running out of time but i want to do a quick lightning round if somebody has never played an rpg but for some reason they're listening to this podcast maybe because they're rpg curious no, you're good. That's, what is fine. the RPG that you would say start with this one? Don't make me say Chrono Trigger. I'm going to say Chrono Trigger. Oh, I just said Chrono Trigger. It it depends on their taste, but I think Witcher 3 is a good shout. Yeah, you can't go wrong with Witcher 3. It it I feel like I would have to ask a follow-up question. Do they want to play something that's modern or do they want to play something mm-hmm. that's classic? Because mm-hmm. I do think that would change my answer. But I, I would have to imagine that they would want to play something modern. In if they want to play something modern, then I'd say Seven Remake. Oh, Seven Remake's a good shout. Yeah. Okay. I know this is going to sound ridiculous. Please hear me out. Pokemon Brilliant Diamond or Shining Pearl. Hmm. So, oh, yeah. My answer is Pokemon, like fundamentally. And then from Pokemon, I'm like, okay, what is the easiest to access and most classic Pokemon game they could get right now? And I think if if like Nintendo Switch Online had Pokemon Red and Blue on it, I would say one of those instead. Uh, or like like literally any other regular top-down turn-based Pokemon on it, I would say one of those. But I don't think that like Sword and Shield or Arceus or certainly not Scarlet and Violet are necessarily good in- entry points. I think Let's Go is really awesome, especially if you have kids involved. But again, it's, Let's like, go's not, great. it's not like... It's not that core Pokemon experience. Yeah. The closest we have to that right now is Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl on the Switch. Um, and like for for all the criticisms of them, they are perfectly competent remakes of Diamond and Pearl. Like I know mm. people wanted Platinum, but they are that. Um, and I think like Pokemon is one of the best single RPG entry points there is. It's a lot of people's entry point. And so if you're just looking for something that is close at hand and will tell you exactly what an RPG is and exactly what Pokemon is, like that's great. Go play that. Okay. On that note... It's time now for the Pantheon of the Blood God Revisit. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. The segment in which we take a look at a 
RPG that we cover in our Pantheon of the Blood God series that you can access on patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. It's a monthly series that we run at the beginning of every single month. Right now we're doing Lunar, the Silver Star Story. And this month we are looking back on Terra Nigma. And at the time we said Terra Nigma is worthy of the Pantheon as one of the best action RPGs. And certainly the RPG that best represents Quintet and the RPG that is one of the best SNES action RPGs. And it's actually been a little controversial because there are not any number of people who are like, I don't actually think Terranigma deserves to be in the Pantheon. So I toss it to you, Fair Panel. Were we wrong in putting Terranigma in the Pantheon? I don't think so. I think that it adds a lot to action RPGs, especially the 16-bit era. Uh, Zelda might still be the classic in that regard, but to me, Terranigma just not only adds so much to the gameplay, but also does things with the story and the setting that was just so pure quintet and you don't see as much anymore. I mean, of course, you see the I am God, uh, you know, or I'm going to kill God narrative, but the way... (laughs) The way Terranigma weaves the kind of very destruction versus creation story, like very kind of Buddhist cycle of life, like it's not something you see nearly as often in RPGs. Um, there's Ark is a destroyer as well as a creator, and as well as just that kind of typical JRPG asshole character. Like, but he 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 embodies all things. I think that even just going to the towers and reviving the uh, the world and the first time you step out into the underworld and see like, what a, where am I? What is going on? Like the sense of wonder is what really carries the game for me. And there's just no other game like it. So I say yes. It's quite beautiful. Sad ending too. The ending makes me cry. I'll be honest. Yeah. Every, every time. Uh, I haven't played Terranigma. Uh, so I am probably just, here to be like what do y'all love so much about this game it's very curious to me because i feel much like lufia 2 it's a game that's never immediately included in discussions of the classics but it's always one that seems to draw the sickos out and so that interests me and i'm curious uh when we get to the discussion to hear Mm -hmm. why that is and and why it makes it in so the short answer is that it was an import rpg so it was uplifted as an RPG of like, no, you, yeah, you think Secret of Mana is good. Have you ever heard of a little game called Terranigma? And that's, I think, where a lot of people kind of go with that. But I think uh, there's a lot to commend Terranigma, as I was just describing uh, a little bit earlier. It's best quintet RPG, and I think quintet deserves to be uh, recognized. I think it's absolutely beautiful. It's a very, it, it does a lot with the actual action RPG mechanics. Um, it has some pacing issues. I think it does have some pacing issues, like the Bloody Mary balance like, difficulties. Oh, yeah, Bloody Mary. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Go check out that episode. Uh, Reb, did you ever play Terra Enigma? Nope. What's that? It's an action RPG on the Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah, oh, you would I'm love quintet RPGs. Too quite, young, too young, quite, uh, mm-hmm. quite inaccessible. I think too young. First console was the GameCube. Oh my god, you people! Oh my I god. Mean, <laughs> I mean, I also got into gaming slightly late by comparison. Okay. So, like, like N64 no judge. was what we were no going up with, but I didn't have one. Yeah, no, I don't know what that is. I just had a thought, Nadia and Eric. So, mm-hmm. PAX East turned down our panel 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am very salty about that. Wow. We're still going. Who do they think they are? How mm. how dare you, Paxies? <laughs> how dare indeed, how dare. But we're still going to the we're still going to Paxies. Here's my idea. We should record um we should record the uh the Pantheon of the Blood God revisit when we're all hanging out together. When That'd we're be fun. when we're at Pax East. So we can yeah. kill each other. Mm, It'd be fun, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Are you going to have another we... studio built out of co- uh, couch cushions? Or are you going to actually yeah. have a place to build a couch fort? Can we record. do it? Can we do it in one of those wreck it rooms where you can like smash things with a hammer <laughs> so that way when somebody is like, no, this game belongs in the Pantheon, they can turn around and, and like just throwing hit pillows something. at each yeah. other. Yeah. We'll need a lot of booze. I think the the, the oh, drunker was, the that better. That was a given. That was a given. That, that is and weed is legal over there, so I'm set. Mm. We should take over a bar, get a bunch of blood god people in there, and just say we're recording a podcast. Let's go. <laughs> we're recording a podcast. Take in over this the. Bar. What's the most? What's that? Is it the Sheraton that's always busy as hell? Everyone out <laughs> recording. Oh, the the West. Weston. Is sorry, it the Weston? Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, the it Weston for East. Yeah. Everyone, get the hell out. We're recording. All right, that's it for the Pantheon of the Blood God revisit. Nadia, take us home. Uh, it was a, a bit of a weird week for me where you guys are like, you know, oh boy, I'm at this event. Oh boy, I'm at Nintendo Land. My grandfather unfortunately passed away this week. Um, my maternal uh, grandfather uh, mm. he was pretty ill I mean it was not the least bit unexpected still disappointing still kind of sad I had a very complicated relationship with him where I was very close to him and then I wasn't but uh, the point is I'm still going to miss him a lot and he was if he was born today he would be like I swear to god an expert TikTok prankster and he would just <laughs> he was a very 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 smooth guy like he was He's from Northern Ireland, so he had that uh, that accent, and um, he was actually really good even at telemarketing. Like he could sell people on the telephone, like which I cannot do. I don't know about any of you, but I'm not doing that. Anyway, he was an expert mimic, like one of the best I've ever seen in my life. He he was like a certified genius. I'm not saying that because oh my god, I'm related to him because I didn't inherit that. That's for sure, but. He was one of those people who he would like sit in a room and hear a language and he could absorb the language and he knew a whole bunch of them. Like he knew Irish, he knew English, he knew Italian, just not even not fluently, but like enough to get by. He just learned it on the spot. Anyway, the reason I'm bringing this up is because, um, again, he was a prankster. And okay, so to start this off, Canadians can go to Cuba. Canadians vacation in Cuba quite a bit. I've never been, but um my younger brother, who is someone who learns things only the hard way, used to go there a lot and uh, fraternize with the girls there. And <laughs> one time uh, he gets a phone call from a very, very accurate sounding Cuban man, quote unquote, who's telling him, you got my daughter pregnant. You come back here and you marry her right away. She's going like absolutely bananas. You manana right now, right now. And just like my brother, by the sounds of it, I wasn't there, but my mother says he turned pale. He was just like. Oh my god! Like, I'm I'm in so much I'm in so much shit right now. I got I got a Cuban girl pregnant, and <laughs> no, it was my grandfather just doing a Cuban accent, saying like, you know, hey, you got you got this girl pregnant. You have to go back to Cuba like tomorrow. And 
<laughs> my brother just apparently starts swearing up a storm. Like, I remember very vividly when I was like four, uh, the Pope came to Toronto. And um, this was a very big deal, of course. Uh, and he came back in 2003. But anyway, uh, I, as I've said many times on this podcast, I am Jewish. My mom's a convert. But her, her side of that family is Irish Catholic. So I knew enough about Catholicism that I could kind of muddle like what is what. So when the Pope came to Toronto, my grandfather calls me on the phone disguised as the Pope. And he's talking to me saying like, are you being a good girl? Are you being good to your nanny and grandpa? And I'm like, yeah, Pope, I am, I am. And <laughs> gosh, I'm so stupid. Like, I don't know enough about Catholicism, but I know enough that here's the Pope. He's talking to me. Wow, this is so cool. I talked, I got to talk to the Pope. And for years, I, I swear to God, I thought I talked to the Pope. I had no idea Aww. how important he was. But I thought I talked to the Pope. Mr. Pope. Mr. Yeah, Pope. Yeah, that's exactly it. I'm like, yeah, Pope, I'm being very good to my mommy and daddy. Thank you for calling. And yes, like, Pope. Thank you for calling. <laughs> <laughs> and as Robo Riley says in the chat, God, this explains so much. Yeah, I had a feeling he would explain a few things about me. Thank you for listening. So I, I will miss him. I have a lot of great stories about him doing that sort of thing. And I think that is where I got at least at least part of, quote unquote, it. Um, my condolences on the passing of your grandfather, Nadia. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we love you, Nadia. Ah, yeah. Thank you. We all, you. Not. we all love you. And that's it for this week's episode of Acts of the Blood God. Thanks so much for joining us in this usual pit of chaos we had a lot we had a lot of fun um if you have more categories in which you want kind of recommendations on i think that there's a certainly a lot of potential options i think that we can delve into uh send us our way Uh, send me a message on twitter at the underscore catpod or send me an email at cat at bloodgodpod.com we're we're getting up to the point of maybe doing a proper mailbag pretty soon we should so, yeah mm-hmm. yeah Look it's letter time it's letter time it's letter time uh brad thanks so much for joining us we really appreciate yeah, it yeah that was fun thanks for having me sorry i made technical difficulties ah water under the bridge happens all the time i've been your host cat bailey you can follow me on twitter at the underscore cap at nadia's at nadia oxford eric is at cmoosi s-e-a-m-o-o-s-i and reb is at duck valentine and you can also find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where you will find tons of bonus content. We're heading right into the post show right after this, Blood God After Dark. But for those, uh, for, for everybody else, we'll be back next week. But until then, for Nadia, Eric, Reb, and myself, thanks for listening, and happy adventuring. Happy adventuring.